It's Friday, July the 17th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Russian's vaccine research hack and Netflix's up and down crisis. First, the world in brief. Russian hackers tried to gain access to American, British and Canadian vaccine research, according to those countries' intelligence agencies. APT29, a hacking group also called Cozy Bear, which is believed to be linked to the Russian state, has been attempting to steal information, they said, though vaccine programmes have not been hampered. Russia denied responsibility. China reacted angrily to suggestions that America might impose a travel ban on members of the Chinese Communist Party, calling the idea pathetic. The New York Times had reported that the White House was considering revoking CCP cadre entry visas. Yesterday, Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, did not rule it out. The party's 90 million members include many high-flying businessmen. Joe Biden, the presumptive Democratic nominee for America's presidency, widened his lead over President Donald Trump in several new national and swing state polls. Mr Biden's advantage reached double digits in some surveys. Others showed voters giving him higher favorability on handling the economy, long Mr Trump's strong suit. Meanwhile, the Republican Party announced plans to scale back its convention in Florida in August. The European Court of Justice struck down an agreement that allowed companies operating in the EU to transfer residents' personal data to America, where protection of data is weaker. The surprise decision is a win for privacy activists, but could be costly for firms, which may need to store data in Europe or stop doing business there. All eyes have been on Netflix, so to speak, as it navigates the world's lockdowns. The streaming service gained 10 million some subscribers during the second quarter, but yesterday warned it expects just 2.5 million more in the third. Analysts had expected 5.3 million. Its share price fell. It also announced that Ted Sarandos, the chief content officer, joined Reed Hastings as co-CEO. Data suggested that America's economy may be improving. Weekly first-time unemployment claims dropped from last week in seasonally adjusted terms. Retail sales were up 7.5% compared with the month before. The National Association of Home Builders Housing Market Index, a measure of market sentiment, climbed to 72 in July from 58 the previous month, exceeding forecasts by 12%. Target, a big-box retailer, and CVS, a chain of pharmacies, became the latest American stores to require that customers wear face masks. They follow retail behemoth Walmart and several states and cities. In the state of Georgia, Governor Brian Kemp barred local officials from requiring residents to wear face coverings. Cases of COVID-19 are spiking across the south and west. And correction. In some editions, we said that eBay was announcing financial results on July 15th. It will do so on July 28th. Sorry. And now, here's today's agenda. What's a state? The G20 debt and taxes. When the G20 finance ministers talk this weekend, they will face two conundrums. Where does the state begin and end? And where do global digital firms make their money? The first question dogs an initiative to relieve the debts of poor countries. The second hangs over a looming trade war between America and Europe over digital taxation. In April, the G20 agreed to let 73 poor countries delay paying debt service this year on loans from the group's governments. But what counts as a government loan? America wants China to include credits from some state-owned banks and enterprises, arguing that they are a de facto part of the government. France wants to tax American tech giants for profits that are de facto earned in France, although booked elsewhere. 
In retaliation, America will slap tariffs on French handbags, lipstick and soap. Perhaps it's just as well the ministers will not be meeting in person. Summit to think about. EU Rescue Fund. Europe's leaders are set for a marathon summit over the fate of a 750 billion euro, 855 billion dollar rescue fund aimed at pepping up the bloc's struggling economies. A gang of countries led by the Netherlands opposed the scheme, through which the EU would issue debt collectively before granting it to countries hit hardest by COVID-19. To make the proposal more palatable for Dutch voters, Mark Root, their Prime Minister, has demanded strict terms alongside any grants, with countries promising to overhaul their economies in exchange for money. Most countries, including France, Germany, Italy, Poland and Spain, are in favour of the scheme, meaning that Mr Root and his allies will face a brutal night. Since any country can block the plan, reaching an agreement will be hard. Given the amount of money at stake and the severity of the crisis, talks are expected to be vicious. If the summit fails, expect another once tempers have cooled. Towering Advantage Ericsson and Nokia Britain banned Huawei's equipment from its 5G network this week, rebuffing one of China's top global businesses. Ericsson and Nokia, Huawei's main rival suppliers of 5G equipment, will pick up the slack. Sweden's Ericsson, which reports second quarter earnings today, thinks it can replace all of Britain's existing Huawei 5G technology for less than the £2 billion, $2.5 billion price tag predicted by analysts. Nokia, a Finnish firm, may scoop some of the work too. But it is further behind having invested at first in a less efficient and more expensive component in its technology. Still, both stand to benefit as Huawei remains caught in a geopolitical row between America and China. Last month, Singapore chose the Nordic firms over Huawei to build its 5G infrastructure. America is pressing Brazil and the European Union to do the same, and has even floated the idea of taking a stake in the two companies. A continuing blight. Sexual violence in conflict. Today, the United Nations Security Council holds its annual debate on sexual violence in conflict. It comes 12 years after the Council adopted a resolution demanding an immediate end to all acts of sexual violence against civilians in conflict. Sadly, progress has been limited. Rape is a regular feature of war in countries from Myanmar to Syria. Sexual violence causes untold physical harm and often lifelong trauma and stigma. Most of its victims are girls and women, but boys and men can also be targets and suffer particular discrimination. A study prepared for the debate by the All Survivors Project and Trust Law, two non-profit organisations, analyses legislation in 21 conflict-prone countries. It finds that 13 of them, including Iraq, Libya and South Sudan, fail to prescribe male rape. It also finds that 10 countries have not criminalised other forms of sexual violence, such as enforced sterilisation, sexual slavery, forced prostitution and acts of sexual humiliation. Rubber Stamps Syria's Parliamentary Election No one will stay up late waiting for the results. On Sunday, after three months of delay caused by COVID-19, Syrians will vote for a new parliament. Or rather, some of them will. Six million refugees are ineligible to vote, as are millions living in Syria but outside regime-held territory. Not that it matters much. With no real opposition allowed, the results are preordained. Since the 1970s, the ruling Ba'ath Party and its allies have held a majority in the docile legislature. Candidates have promised to fix an economy ruined by a decade of war. There is talk of taming runaway inflation, a basket of basic foodstuffs now costs 200% more than it did last year 
and of repairing shattered infrastructure. But some of those same candidates are war profiteers who amassed fortunes from the fighting. Parliament should also approve a new Syrian constitution next year. That is another reason Bashar al-Assad will make sure the legislature is stocked with loyalists. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Adam Smith, who died on this day in 1790. Little else is requisite to carry a state to the highest degree of opulence from the lowest barbarism, but peace, easy taxes and a tolerable administration of justice. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 